0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer. For details, your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, June 11th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, our sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you very much, unions. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is Brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor.
2: All right, Ben, give us a song of the day. Okay, uh, nobody uh, coming up with it? No, no, well, just thinking about Michael Girardi's guitar work just thought me, made me remind, uh, reminded me of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, I'm playing left hand. You notice the. I
1: mean, you're not playing a guitar at all, but...
2: Purple <laughs> <Bubble> Hayes! <laughs> Love Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, so that's the song. Of the
1: day. Oh, Pat Roth yeah. says we should get a Benny Palooza going uh, <laughs> when they let us go to concerts again.
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, we got the porta potty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there we go. You can't have an outdoor concert without a porta potty. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now.
1: It is Thursday, June 11th and still live from Ben's Attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another cannabis conversation with Lisa Solomon and Vincent Normand. And now your host. The man who hasn't smoked marijuana since
2: 1979. Uh, 80.
1: 80. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello,
2: It could have been 81D. Who was painted? I was high at the time. Who can remember? Anyway. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Hot Line Thursday. And here's why. So yesterday, we played a snippet. A brief, beep-littered snippet of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's monumental showdown. Band
1: name, guys. Beef Littered Snippet. Beep
2: Littered Snippet. Oh, beep Littered. Beep Littered Snippet. As in, beep. And you mother beep. And you can kiss my beep. That kind of beep. A beep. A brief. Beep Littered Snippet. Although I guess you don't need the brief. It's a snippet. Anyway, focus, Ben. Focus. Uh, Of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's monumental showdown with 15th Ward Alderman Raymond Raylo Lopez. And that was a lot of fun doing that. You know, I need a little diversion, D, from the madness of our times by focusing on the madness of some of our leaders. Anyway, as a public service, we're taking a deep dive. Yes, yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show has agreed to pick apart the recording, the actual recording that the powers that be did not want you to hear raw uncut (laughs) uncensored (laughs) no beeps no beeps okay somehow or other i found this you know, I'm not the most, like, internet-savvy guy in the world. I acknowledge that, you know. But all my guests, I'm still following newspapers on a 24-hour cycle as the oldest person in Chicago. And all my guests are much younger than me, and they're always like, Ben, did you see this on Twitter? Ben did, like, I just had a conversation with Ramona today. She goes, oh, I saw that on Twitter. And I'm like, I just saw it in the news. Anyway, so I'm not... I admit it i get it out there all right folks
1: but hey let's give a round of applause in the year 2020 our host found a video
2: on the internet yes and i sent it to dennis i was like last night oh my god d (laughs) poor guy just think about Dennis's life, all right? You know, he work, comes comes to my house. He's doing the show. He works hard. He's at home. He's kicking back. He's eating some ribs. He's having some ice cream, smoking a doobie, you know, watching, I don't know, wrestling matches from 209 on the video. Not so, eating ribs or ice cream, okay? <laughs> I am just, I don't know what he's, anyway, what he's definitely not doing is working. And all of a sudden, ring, ring. And he's like, oh, my God, now what? I'm like, dude, you won't believe this. I found the reaction. Actual recording. And then I sent it to him and got to give him credit. He was into it. Oh, this is awesome. So we decided that in there. We had a pre show meeting the day before. First time we've ever done that, D. We're really getting organized, huh?
1: Being a little too honest on the program today.
2: (laughs) Pre pre show. Remember Ricky Hennon? There's the meeting before the meeting and then there's the meeting before the meeting before the meeting. Well, we had the meeting before the meeting before the meeting, if you could follow all that uh anyway so we had the pre-show meeting i sent him the tape i was very proud of that that i was the one who discovered it me mr zuckerberg mr internet mr millennial i discovered it you're welcome listeners you guys probably all heard it anyway because a lot of our listeners are pretty internet savvy anyway uh it's the um the full uh, encounter without beeps and also well it has what led to the beeps now let me just uh give a little introduction a little preamble for uh uh, Dennis plays uh, the snippet, uh, the tape, the recording, whatever it is. So here's the here's the uh, preamble. Here's the setup. On June 1st, Mayor Lori Lightfoot held two conference calls with aldermen to discuss the unrest that took place throughout the city of Chicago on May 31st, the day before, the weekend before. It was uh, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, this is very important to establish right now. This was not... Repeat, not N O T, a public meeting. Between, That's correct. Thank you. <laughs> you, Muller, uh, between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the alderman. It was not a public meeting like the ones, for instance, that we discuss with Dave Glowatz every other week, his brilliant discourse on city council meetings, where he, uh, God bless him, sits through his own vir- virtual meetings and comes up with the appropriate little snippets, which he then uh, sends to Dennis. He goes,
3: Dennis, play.
2: Raylo, you know how like he does. So, if that guy isn't ready for Bez, I don't know what. Dennis, play
1: light foot. And every time he does it, I'm looking over at you, still not taking notes. Take notes. He knows how to set up some audio. I know all right, he
2: does he does? He's really good. Go Way on.
1: better than your approach. Yeah. Hey D, play
2: that thing, <laughs> huh? Not quite ready for Bez, uh, Mr. Jarofsky, uh Please don't send us a resume ever again hey d you got that thing hey man come Play on that thing okay what thing is it <laughs> no but dave is really good and I, I urge everybody to check out this it's a blast doing those deep dives with dave glow we got one coming up next week because there's a city council meeting anyway it's not like that because it wasn't a public meeting it was a private meeting it was uh, off limits to the public it was just the mayor and her alderman having a private conversation now um We'll get into the legalities of that because it's not covered a little later in the show, uh, we're going to talk about whether that was Ill- illegal or legal for the mayor to have this kind of conversation with the alderman. You know, there was two of them, and I think uh, each one had at least 14 aldermen in it. so I don't know if that's a violation of the State Open Meetings Act, but we'll get into that a little while later. Let's put that aside. Anyway, somebody
4: recorded
2: this meeting, this virtual meeting between the mayor and her alderman. I do not know who that somebody was. We'll get into that later. That is the subject. The person, the identity of the person recorded is the subject of an interesting article. Today's bright one by France Billman. We'll get into that in a little while. We're going to put all that aside. So was the conversation legal? We'll discuss that later. Who was the one who recorded it and was recording it legal? That's very interesting.
1: You guys are going to tune out. You're a fool. Listen to all this teasing that Ben's doing
2: right now. All right. Keep listening. Hey, B.E.Z., are you hearing this? This is how you set up a segment. All right. You tease. Right, D.? Yes. All right. Very good. I went to radio school. Uh, so any it was called uh, the University of CPT. You're fired. Anyway, uh, where was I? Okay. So uh, somebody recorded it, and we don't know if it was legal for that person to record it. Uh, we don't know if it was legal for the mayor to have a conversation. We'll get into all this. Uh, but so anyway, so there is, before they get to the beeps, which you will hear what was actually said uh, in this recording, there was this, uh, I guess you could call it a monologue by Alderman Ray Lopez. And so with that, I'll say, uh, I'll I'll do my inner Dave Glotz. Dennis, play the segment called Ray Lopez. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, Alderman.
5: Um, We'll go to Alderman Lopez and tell Harold and Thompson. Alderman
0: Lopez. Thank you. You know, before we started this, we have, we're having a conversation about what's going on in our neighborhoods and it's heart wrenching, gut wrenching, but this is what I was trying to get at this morning is that when downtown is in lockdown, our neighborhoods are next and our failure to fully get ready for what's going on in the neighborhoods. We're seeing this destruction and we're thinking that it's going to somehow end tonight. We have seen where in other cities this has gone on for days. And we need to come up with a better plan for days, at least for the next five days, to try and stabilize our communities. Right now, Mayor Back in the Yards has in Brighton Park, from Halstead almost all the way through to Kedzie <clears throat> along 47th Street, has been a virtual war zone. Ashland Avenue, which borders between me and Alderman Taylor, has had four hundred people and four lanes of traffic almost for an hour. And we can't expect our police, and I don't fault them at all, to be able to control this. But I know that we asked our faith base yesterday to stand at the front line between police and looters and rioters. And I am simply not comfortable telling my churches, those people to be the intermediary in the middle of a riot that's citywide. We need something better. Because right now we only have 370, whatever national guards on standby. Half our neighborhoods are already obliterated. It's too late. We have to come up with a better plan because once my fear is once they're done looting and rioting and whatever's going to happen tonight, God help us. What happens when they, they're going after residents going into the neighborhoods once they start trying to break down people's doors so they think they got something or, you know, we know that people are here to antagonize and incite and you've got them all pumped tonight, today, they're not going to go to bed at eight o'clock. They're going to turn their focus in the neighborhood. I've got gangbangers with AK 47s walking around right now, just waiting to settle some scores. What are we going to do? And what do we tell our residents other than good faith people stand up? It's not going to be enough.
2: all right so that's the setup that's alderman raymond lopez he's the alderman of the 15th ward and as i've discussed uh several times his ward is on the southwest side of chicago it's uh, an interesting configuration it's a product of gerrymandering in the city of chicago i explained this yesterday i'll explain it again if folks didn't hear it yesterday uh, they essentially uh, took two neighborhoods one black and one uh, latino and joined them together uh, to form one ward and uh Ray Lowe is the alderman there and for the first four years in office he was a fairly more or less uh, loyal supporter of Mayor Rahm. He went along with pretty much anything Mayor Rahm. He had one or two uh, exchanges with Mayor Rahm which I wrote about in the reader. I talked, talked about that yesterday but by and large he was not known as an outspoken opponent to put it mildly of Mayor Rahm and as such uh, he voted uh, for the 1.3 billion dollar handout for Lincoln Yard. It's an important point to discuss because when we're going forward I like to point this out when we're going forward as a city to try to learn from the mistakes of the past we want to look at what we could do differently and perhaps if we want to really help communities like back of the yard and Brighton uh, Park uh, where uh, Alderman Raymond Lopez uh, rep- represents then we would instead of spending all this money on north side gentrifying areas we would redistribute it and spend it in areas that really could use it so that's a very important point to like to set the uh, you know, set things up. So Mayor Lori Lightfoot is listening to this. And she knows that Raymond Lopez, uh, was a supporter of Rahm Emanuel. And she knows that he flipped overnight and became an outspoken critic of her. And she knows that he is happy and willing to accept the role of blasting her every step of the way. It's a very important role. Someone's got to play it in the city council. I absolutely believe that, that we need somebody to stand up to the mayor. But it probably irritates the hell out of her, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that this guy who was the biggest ROM flag waver, one of the biggest ROM flag wavers, right up there with Ed Burke, would now suddenly find his inner Dick Simpson. Dick Simpson, of course, uh, for our younger listeners who may not know this, Dick Simpson was a legendary independent alderman back in the 70s who had the guts to stand up to Mayor Richard J. Daly. And let me tell you, that was the boss, okay? Mayor Richard J. Daley. Mayor Lori Lightfoot is a baby boss compared to Mayor Richard uh, J. Daley. Okay. Now, some of the things he also said were a little inflammatory. I'm just pointing that out. Like when he said our neighborhoods are a virtual war zone. I think that's a little inflammatory. When he started talking about gangbangers already walking around with AK-47s waiting to settle score, I think that was a little yeah. uh, inflammatory. He's kind of
1: hot-dogging and grandstanding Hot, there. Yeah,
2: hot-dogging <laughs> and All right, he caught the pass. He scored the touchdown. Now he's doing a little dance in the hands-on. Yeah, yeah. uh, and then, you know, like this whole notion that This like this mob of people uh, that having been fired up and having ravaged the business sections of these areas is now going to turn their attention on the residential areas and start going after just regular ordinary homes Uh, that did not happen anywhere in the country over last week so you know it's like getting a little inflammatory getting a little exaggerated the ak-47s the residents uh coming into the excuse me the 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 rioters coming into the neighborhoods to threaten ordinary uh, residents so he's you know pushing a lot of buttons there but he does have a legitimate question i believe when you put uh, the inflammatory, really needling, annoying, intended to provoke the mayor, push her buttons rhetoric aside. When you just put that aside, you know, which is really hard to put it aside. He does have a legitimate question, which is what is your plan, madam mayor, to deal with this to deal with the protests so we don't have another night of looting. Uh, so it's a there's a pretty relevant question mixed in with a lot of inflammatory rhetoric. And now we'll play it out. This is the setup for Lori Lightfoot's response. We're going to let the brown line pass us. I think that's what Mayor Rahm on that brown line. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, probably got his
1: bike on there. Now, guys, this you will not hear this on WCPT or BEZ. All right, those comparisons are going out the window on this one. Holy cow! Thank you,
3: Oliver. Next question.
1: Well, no, I want an answer.
0: I you commented on everybody i want an answer it's not something you ignore this is a question that i have
3: i think you're 100 i think you're 100 full of shit is what i think if
0: you think we no offense well fuck you then who are you to tell me i'm full of shit and
3: if you think if you think we were not ready and we stood by and let the neighborhood go up there's nothing intelligent that i can say to you
0: well maybe you should come out and see what's going on the
3: stupidest thing i have ever I understand
0: you want to preach. I understand that you think that you mayor. You to need to check him. your fucking attitude. That's what you need to do. Right now,
3: real.
0: no, you need to check your attitude.
3: Wait a minute, I'm being disrespectful.
0: You just told me I'm hey, full of shit. Hey, hey. We, we, we. Hey. No, you You cannot hey, tell me I'm full of shit. Hey, hey. No, Everybody, come on, let's calm down. Come on, bit. come calm on, now, calm down. Listen. Wait, okay? wait, wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. Ray, cut it off, please. Uh, Again, yeah, calm down, through. please We're all heated. Come wait on. Now. Wait a minute. I'm 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 down. Down. My neighborhood. We're you than that. Please calm down. <laughs>
3: Yep,
0: right thank you, thank <laughs> right
5: you. now we need solutions. So thank people need solutions. Let's let's step up, right? Yeah, all yeah. hands
0: on deck right now. All right. right. We
5: we'll yeah. okay, okay. we'll move on but we recognize certainly the devastation in your neighborhood and is not
1: being taken lightly at all. Apparently not. 22 after the hour. You're listening to WBEZ <laughs> news, weather and traffic coming up.
2: Uh, oh my god. I know. I know to Tensions have been really high, uh, and it's been a rough couple weeks uh, in our city, and our country. But I don't know, guys. There's just something diverting about listening to our mayor and all. <laughs> oh, let me just say, you're full a hundred percent. Not just full of shit, but a hundred percent. I love the hundred
4: percent in yeah, there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and he's like, "What? Well, <laughs> fuck you then." <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's Chicago, man. You it's, That's Chicago, okay? You know, we dress it up. We dress up the city, you know. I always point out I'm not from Chicago. So, you know, I never swore before I came to the city. I was from Evanston. We never swore in Evanston. A swearing? What's that? Come to Chicago, you're not just full of shit. You're 100% full of <laughs> shit. That's my favorite part. Oh, yeah? Well, fuck you. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> And then I love the other alderman. Hey, come on, guys, let's just break it up. Let's break it up, all right? And then yeah. there was—I don't even know who the there's some another voice, uh, a woman saying, "We're listening to you. We can like Lori Lightfoot's aide or whatever. <laughs> She's <laughs> unlike what everything the mayor says. We don't think you're full of shit. We're actually listening to you. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I, all right, deep. <clears throat> I feel compelled to uh, render uh, some kind of, um, you know, some kind of uh, opinion about all this. So as I said, and it was very inflammatory uh, language that uh, Ray Yeah, can we
1: can we just not like them both?
2: Yes, I think
1: that's pretty
2: good. That's That's I, my take. I, but can I just say, I, I, oh God. Um, you know, let's put it this way that was i i don't even know if passive-aggressive is the right uh, way to frame Raylo's pre- preamble it was pre- but it was intended to needle it was intended to provoke it was intended to inspire the exact reaction he got now d i've lived a long life i dealt with some master needlers in my life i'm not going to name names but they're out there they have a way of saying something Uh, And sometimes they do a preamble preamble, like, well, I'm not saying anything, and then they say something, and then everybody red in the face. So I know, you know, I've seen some masters of this game. Raylo. you're pretty good at this. The gangbangers with the AK-47s, you know, the virtual war zone, uh, you know, our neighborhoods are already obliterated. Your idea of having faith-based leaders stand between, what, civilization and madness. Uh, you know, you set it up to make the mayor look as absolutely bad as she could possibly look. Uh, and then you got the reaction <laughs> that you want. And then you're like, what? Bring it on them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but having said that, I don't know, Mayor Lightfoot. You know, so I just could have refrained you could have said something like
1: i mean that, that had to have been that couldn't have been the first time that they've talked to each other like that right uh, they
2: must have gone at it you're right you know what
1: I mean it seems like that they're kind of both used to how they both act right yeah
2: but I would appreciate it you know, she goes you're, you know you're 100% love the one the adding the one <laughs> wait you sure it's not 50% yeah. or maybe 33% no I
1: mean listening to it it was honestly about 65% yeah there was by good like 20 seconds where it's like oh I'm feeling you Raylo then it was like oh okay you're turning into a pro wrestler here yeah
2: you're <laughs> So, you know, yeah. So I guess she's pretty right with the 100%. No, 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 it's 65%. No, just 65%, uh, Mayor. But, you know, I mean, so you could have gone. How did Michelle Obama put it? You could have taken a high road. You know, he went the low road. You could have taken the high road. You could have said, Alderman, I'm listening to your concerns and I share your concerns uh, for your neighborhoods and uh, we're coming up with a plan. (laughs) Or maybe you had no plan. (laughs) Maybe, you know, maybe you should be honest. I don't know what the hell we're going to do. I know one thing, we had Troy Laravier on the show on Tuesday, and he talked about the massive police presence outside Trump Tower. So, you know, maybe she should have just said, hey, we can't protect all aspects, all areas of the neighborhood. We had a lot of cops protecting Trump Tower. I don't being facetious there. So I, 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 I have to say that I would have liked Lori Lightfoot to have taken the high road, but I kind of understand the that she just let it rip and then all hell breaks loose. But I wish she had just come right out and said uh, the Jay Marie question. Jay Marie pointed this out yesterday. Uh, One of our listeners, Jay Marie pointed this out, that you know, where was this voice of protest in the Mayor Rahm era? That would have been great if she had said that. You know what I mean, Dee? That would have been really great. Or if she had said something like, hey, Where was this looking out for the neighborhoods when you voted for the Lincoln Yards deal? I would have appreciated that. But see, that's real issues of how the pie is divided and how neighborhoods uh, prosper, some neighborhoods prosper and some neighborhoods don't. That's like a real substantive issue debate that's ongoing yeah, when there's no rioting in Chicago, when there's no unrest in Chicago, that's just life in Chicago. Some neighborhoods benefit, some neighborhoods don't. There's no discussion about that. They just pretend as though, oh, what a great development deal. It's really wonderful for the city of Chicago. <laughs> Meanwhile, back of the yards is getting screwed. You know, it's getting screwed on those uh, development deals, but nobody speaks up about those. So... You know i'm listening to this i say hey, Ray, you're making some good points on the other hand doing a lot of needling and i don't know mayor mayor lightfoot i i guess i can understand why you went off on him that way and then uh so not not a lot of um what should i put this not a lot of uh Working together there, you know, not a lot of uh, getting along there. And then there's finally uh, two other two. You got to play something. You don't have anything else to play there. Uh, but there's a couple other points left over that I mentioned uh, early uh, in my um, opening, and that has to do with uh, number one, um, who made the recording. Uh, and the headline in today's Sun Times,
1: Mr. Bike <laughs> Dave
2: Glowatz, no, Dave Glowatz was in the back rooms. Dennis, play uh, the, the clip, Ray Lopez, <laughs> play the clip, uh, you're 100% full of shit. No. Mr. Bike's the one getting the job at BEZ before any of us. Oh, my God. They, hey, BEZ, you really should hire Mr. Bike. He's outstanding journalist. Anyway, uh, illegal taping is the headline in the Sun-Times. Uh, Lightfoot angered by leak audio from call with Alderman during looting. See, this is where it goes too far. You know, y'all, you had to spat. You said he was one hundred percent full of shit. He told you to go fuck yourself. I mean, I'm just quoting him, D. All right, you guys, we're, we curse
1: now. That's what we, we. That's what we do now. That's a I'm thing now. I'm just quoting. I
2: guess. Okay, that's it, it, all right. That's all right. Our mayor curses. It's all right. We're there. we're
1: there now, so let's just be there. We curse now, guys. But not in
2: the segments we send to the radio stations. We don't curse there.
1: Oh, fuck no, we don't do that. Hey! I'm just joking. No, sorry, sorry. Okay, just... sorry,
2: sorry. Back in the old <laughs> days, I remember uh, the, the, the Yoda, who is the, the the brains. Yo, but, Yoda, <laughs> which he would always say. You know, this is back when I was on uh, before I got fired on the Progressive Radio Station. You can't swear. You can't let anyone swear because Donald Trump will take away our license. Remember that day? Like Donald Trump is listening.
3: I'm uh, listening. <laughs> Yoda, Yoda.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could say whatever you want about Donald Trump. Don't say a word about Tiffs. Okay. All right. Anyway, where was I? Oh, about so illegal taping. So Mayor Lori Lightfoot's not, you know, she's just not going to let this one go. Uh, the Illinois Attorney General's office said it has received a complaint about the alleged violation and is looking into it. doesn't say who it received the complaint from, but Lori Lightfoot is insisting that the recording is illegal. I guess it's like, what, uh, it's against the law to tape somebody without them knowing? I'm hoping <laughs> it's not illegal to play it. <laughs> well, everybody's playing. It's all over the internet. Oh, Trump. Trump's listening right now. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Hold on. Uh-oh, that's Lori Lightfoot. Get that tape out of it. So she's having the attorney the uh Illinois Attorney General. Listen. Kwame you got far more important stuff to do. Just bury this thing. This is really now getting ridiculous. I mean it was it's a fun diversion as I said, the mayor yelling at the the alderman needling the mayor, which is what he did, okay? Uh the mayor telling me he's one I love the 100. That's beautiful Lori Lightfoot. That 100%. That that's just a beautiful little addition to the thing. You learned a thing or two back there in Ohio, okay? You learned a little something there in Ohio. She's from Ohio, you know that, D. She learned like a billion things. Yes, yeah.
4: that's billion <laughs> with a B.
2: So whoa, what happened there? So uh, I would, I just hope you drop the the whole thing. But meanwhile, uh, Fran Spielman, a, uh, a city hall reporter for the Chicago Sun Times, uh, asked Lopez whether he had uh, recorded the call and leaked it to the media. She wants that scoop, baby. And here's the quote exactly as it's written, okay? So I'm just going to read it as it's written in my beloved Bright One Home Delivered, uh, as it is every day. Quote, I will not uh, know. Until she proves otherwise, I stand by my assertions that this is not for me. These leaked tapes are not for me. Wow. I'm not quite sure how to to decipher that. Uh, Until she proves otherwise, I stand. Well, if she proves that it is from you, will you suddenly say, yes, it was me? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, Raylo. It's either you leaked it or you taped her or you didn't tape her, you know? I would be proud of it. I don't know. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, what the heck, you know? You know what I'm saying, D? Anyway, he goes, I will not. I think he was starting off to say, I will not, you know, dignify that question. And then he just said, yeah. Uh, no no he decided that he didn't tape it so that's where he is right now uh and then we get into the issue uh he does a counterpunch which uh, by the way this is where ray low is really i think helpful because this gets he's willing to look into sort of the procedures our procedures our rules being violated and that gets into the open meeting act and the open meeting act <laughs> <laughs> counterpunch <laughs> oh I, wow very good uh and the open meeting act is a law on the state books that's Uh, intended to protect us the citizens uh, from being held in the dark about what our public officials our elected officials are doing i think it's absolutely a very important law Uh, It's like public records law. We have a Freedom of Information Act that enables us to petition government to turn over documents that are relevant to how they're handling government. Now, they generally use that rule. They use that law to prevent us from seeing the documents that we should be seeing. So instead of being a tool for transparency, it is like a shade that they draw down to keep us from seeing what they're up to. Uh, but the Open Meetings Act is intended to have open meetings, just as the, the word says. And so uh, they, they call in, uh, Frank called ACLU spokesman Ed Yanka, and they brought in the ACLU, D, all right? And this is what he said, quote, if there was a meeting by video or phone where a quorum of the city council was present and discussing public business, and if there had not been a majority vote for a closed meeting during a previous open session, then these sessions appear to violate the Illinois Open Meetings Act. That's correct. All right. So, uh, as and then Fran took the deep dive, give her credit. She went to the rule book and said that um, a majority of quorum uh, means 14 aldermen. So, if there were more, 14 or more aldermen uh, in that meeting... In that phone conference, in that virtual meeting with, where uh, Raylo and uh, Lori Lightfoot went at it, that's a violation of the Open Meeting Act. So here's my suggestion I'm playing the role of the peacemaker, all right? From my attic overlooking the alley in the porta potty. <laughs> okay? Just call me Peacemaker Ben. Here's what we do.
1: <laughs> Wait, never mind.
2: Okay. <laughs> the porta potty, the peacetaker. <laughs> the pe- As peacemaker, here's my suggestion. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, drop the investigation into who taped you, taped the conversation, and Alderman Ray Lopez, drop the uh, investigation into whether it's a violation of the Open Meeting Act, then hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya, Come on. Kumbaya. We got a great show today, everybody. Yeah! <laughs> Man, I am so excited about Vincent Norman is our guest. Uh, we do cannabis conversation uh, every of the week. Uh, Vincent Norman, uh, he is the chief marketing officer uh, uh, for the Parkway Dispensary. Uh, but he used to work for uh, the Jordan brand, Michael Jordan's brand. And he knows everything about everything. Uh, he's a delightful guy to talk to about the uh, the difficulty that uh, black entrepreneurs are getting are having and getting a license. Uh, come on, we could do better state instead of giving all the reefer licenses to a handful of rich guys. Can you just dole out some to some black people? You know what I'm saying? Dave? So he's an ex. he's really good on that, but just everything else, in the universe politics race relations michael jordan lebron james all kinds of interesting things i'll be talking with him lisa solomon will be along as well so i'm really looking forward to that but before we do that the young man from Alton, the man they call dr doobie
0: but i want an answer it's not something you ignore this is a 100%. question that i have i think you're
3: 100
2: i think you're 100
1: full of shit is what i think if you think it's we no want offense, to fuck you then oh raylo coming in hot
2: Oh, sorry. The one hundred percent always gets me. I think you're a little unfair there, Mayor Lightfoot. I think I think Dennis is right. It's more like sixty five percent. Yeah, yeah. Is it thirty five percent full of it or you know? <laughs> I think you're a little I think you should apologize him for the hundred percent, okay?
1: Oh, and uh, I say I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh Lori Lightfoot, one hundred percent not coming on this show, especially <laughs> after playing that.
2: I think there's like a 35% chance, T. Uh, maybe we limit the conversation to the Bears. Get her opinion. I just wrote a column on this. Are the Bears prejudiced against black quarterbacks? Absolutely yes. I believe they have a serious bias. Maybe, I'm really curious what Lori like
1: Bias say. against winning. Okay. Uh, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Oh, hey, here's something we haven't heard in a while. No public events listed for Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become Big problems when you let small problems sit. Perhaps his own sanity was the big problem in this instance. The governor has been at it nonstop for the last three months. So hopefully he's taking a little time off, which is good because we all recall what happened the last time Governor Pritzker went too hard in the political paint. Dude broke his femur. That's correct. (laughs) Remember that guy's femur gate? we called it?
2: Was that during, I've lost track of time. That was last summer, Femurgate, remember? Was yeah, it was over time? the summer, yeah. Because
1: oh, I, I remember, uh, it was uh, right around uh, Illinois State Fair time.
2: Was it around Gatorgate time? <laughs> oh, the good times! For the good times. You like that song, Dave? No, I never heard of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jamie Pritzker was on the
1: shelf for like a good month or more. Uh, so, hey, Pritzker, chill out, don't break your femur, and maybe
2: watch a movie. Ben Jarofsky, any suggestions? Uh, I'm going to see um, Defy Bloods. It's a opening tomorrow on netflix okay uh, monroe and i are talking monroe that's your uh assignment i think romano will be t- watching that as well so will be a lot of t- discussion of that spike lee's latest so yeah there you go uh governor pritzker. by the way arrested development governor pritzker if you need a laugh it's hilarious arrested development i've yeah, seen yeah. it three times each time i watch <laughs> came out i like oh two or oh, or three? if you want a really good time what you do sit back Fire up a doobie and listen to Raylo and Lori Lightfoot. All
1: right. Well, we really didn't uh, talk much about this, but on Wednesday, JB quietly signed into law the new state budget. It's designed to help the state cope with the economic fallout caused by the coronavirus. Pritzker signed the $42.9 billion budget uh, that is built around borrowing up to $5 billion from the Federal Reserve to make ends meet in the new fiscal year that starts July 1st. Pritzker said the budget reflects that the state needs to play a major role in protecting people and the economy from the effects of the virus. Here's the quote from Pritzker quote. The COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the enormous role that government plays in keeping communities safe and providing the tools people need to build better lives. While the pandemic, while the pandemic has had a devastating impact on our state revenues, investing in our people will allow the state to rebound and recover from this pandemic as we safely
2: reopen. All right. Uh, Now we're back to the real world of budgets. D. We're probably. I I think a a pre-show meeting told me we're going to be discussing the city's budget as well. As well, so many of the things I'm saying now about the state budget uh, will be applicable to the city budget. Uh, But the reality is, folks, a budget is an estimation. It's a projection of how much money the state expects to bring in and how much money it expects to spend. Uh, in reality, it's never really ba- uh, balanced. They just say it's balanced. They usually project more money coming in than they're actually going to get. Uh, they don't foresee all the expenditures that will happen uh, down the road through for emergencies, etc., and so forth. So more likely than not, they're going to need to raise your taxes or find new money uh, somewhere down the road. And it's particularly the case at this time because... This pandemic is no joke. The economy took a jolt. So many people were out of work. Uh, less taxes coming in uh, to the government. More money going out to meet people's needs. So, D, we're just at the start of, the, uh, of trying to figure this sucker out. And ultimately, the federal government is going to have to kick in a lot of money uh, to, for not just the state of Illinois, not just the county of Cook, not just Chicago, your hometown of Alton, downstate as well. Uh, the federal government is going to have to come in to the aid of towns and cities and counties and states, and that is a huge question mark with Donny Trump uh, in the White House, whether he has the capability to rise above the partisan uh, bickering. Bickering is a it's like an easy word for what he does uh, and uh, play. Well, today's role show is brought government.
1: to you in part
4: by bickering. <laughs>
2: that was be- that was beyond Trump. Yeah, I I don't know if Trump ever said that to Nancy Pelosi or Vice (laughs) of Donald Trump. You are 100 percent beep. You got to admit it's better without the beeps, don't you, D? Yeah, it was. Yesterday, yesterday we got that from Channel Two. I want to thank CBS for giving us uh, the tape yesterday or the recording yesterday. This I forgot where we got this. I I can't remember. Mediaite. It, oh, thank you, Mediaite. I want to thank you very much. So anyway, so this is just a start, D, uh, of a protracted budget battle. All right, and uh, you
1: know we haven't heard anything from uh, this guy. Uh, it's the newly elected, but more like selected Senate President Don Harmon. Vote mm, part. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't heard from him since he got the gig, and he's talking about the budget. Uh, but today, we're going to, it's his first quote on the Ben Jarofsky Show, all right? We have our first Senate presidential quote from Don Harmon since he's taken office. Ben, how about we uh, get our scorecards and rank the performance here from Senate President Harmon in his first quote uh, on the show? It seems only fair. You I know what my, I mean? Got my pen out.
2: Okay, good, good. So uh, wait, time out. One is bad, 10 is good. Uh, one is awful, five is awesome. Oh, it's just one to five. Yeah, five stars. Okay, got it. All
1: right, now remember, guys, it was all the way back in November when the former Senate president, the family man, John Cullerton, <laughs> while several of his Democratic political colleagues, uh, their, while their offices were being raided by the FBI, old Cullerton said, you know what? It's time to retire. Spend more time with my family. And yes, I believe Ben still believes that.
2: Yes. <laughs> Dennis, you're 100% full of beep. <laughs> Nah, you know, I give. Yeah. Come on. D give him the benefit of the doubt.
1: By the way, it's funny how we aren't hearing about all the uh damn dirty corruption anymore.
2: What right. corruption? We cleaned it up. Yeah, yeah it's, all, it's gone. all gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. All right. No more corruption. No Haven't more. heard anything no. about that. No. Uh, don't worry, things will calm down and we'll be back to corruption. Oh,
1: one can only hope. But Harmon was chosen to replace Cullerton back in January. All right, here we go. Let's read the quote from Harmon. Ben, get your scorecard. Got Let's it. rank the new Senate president's performance. <clears throat> five stars, incredible. One star, horrible. When, zero. It's just, just five or one, okay. pal. When asked about the new budget, uh, Don Harmon said, quote, this budget buys the state time to get to a better tomorrow.
2: Oh, I give him a three on that. Short and sweet. Yeah, and it's uh, sort of like a Chris Christopherson song. Oh. If I trade all my today... No, I trade all my tomorrows for a single yesterday. I'm surprised he didn't break into that. You know what I'm saying?
1: I'm sure there's one or two of you out there that's like, boy, I wish Ben would sing more. You're getting <laughs> your way, wish today. Do
2: you know what song that's from? No. I am really disappointed in you. Um Bobby flagged a diesel down in the pouring rain, rode it all the way to New Orleans. Now, do you know what it is? Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, forget it. God! Uh, Kids Today! <laughs> One of the greatest songs of all time, me and Bobby McGee. Three stars? Yeah, give him three stars because, you know, nice. a, little, a little ducking and dodging, but the... the, the the gist of it is true. He basically said in a really nice Chris Christopherson way that, uh, yeah, we're uh, sort of kicking this can down the road till we figure things out. That's kind of what he said, D. But he said it really nice and Chris Christopherson, like, Bobby flagged the diesel down in the pouring rain. I trade all my tomorrows for a single yesterday. Isn't that a great line, D? All
1: right, let's go to Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. We will shut you down. <laughs> we will
5: cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Hey. Ouch. Oh,
1: First off, just like the governor, no Thursday public events scheduled for Mayor Lakefront. But she did make the Sun-Times headlines today. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And oh, you bet your ass, it's Fran the Woman's Man Spielman. The headline reads, Lightfoot proposes moratorium on evictions of tenants strapped by pandemic. The mayor's plan would prohibit landlords from evicting without first waiting five days for the tenant to deliver a, quote, notice of COVID-19 impact that outlines job loss, reduced hours, or other extenuating financial circumstances. With Cook County judges poised to resume eviction and foreclosure hearings on July 6th, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has crafted a so-called eviction protection ordinance to slow down those proceedings. The city council's housing committee is poised to approve the plan on Monday, followed by a full council vote on Wednesday. The mayor's plan would prohibit landlords from evicting without first waiting five days for the tenant to deliver the COVID impact.
2: Yeah, we're probably going to take the deep dive in this next week uh, with, um, like I said, Dave Glowatz, because I'm sure he'll be uh, paying attention and recording and, uh, and telling you uh, Dennis, play uh, Mayor Lightfoot eviction. and uh, But this is gonna, probably going to be a showdown over this because uh, the progressives in the city council uh, don't think that she's gone far enough. We had Delia Ramirez, state rep Delia Ramirez, on the show a couple weeks ago on this very issue. Uh, the city, uh, in her opinion, should do much more. The state, actually, should do much more to protect uh, renters at this time. People are without, out of work. People are losing paychecks. So how are you going to pay your rent, and they're exposed, vulnerable to being kicked out of their home. You shouldn't have people losing their homes at a time of crisis like this. I just think that from a humanitarian standpoint, you shouldn't uh, have that. And it also, just a practical standpoint, it just overwhelms the city of Chicago to have more people homeless. Uh, then you get the, the landlords, sometimes landlords will say, hey, I'm so sick and tired of this worthless bum, I'm getting using any excuse I can to get rid of him." Uh, and so... You know, that landlord lobby is very strong in the city of Chicago, in the state of Illinois, and that's why, obviously, uh, state officials and Lori Lightfoot don't want to go too far in crossing that line. But uh, I think the city should be more humane. And, you know, just like that that, what, that five-day rule, I think they should expand on it. So if I were, again, if, if I were an alderman in the Chicago City Council, I'd be uh, pleading with the mayor in very respectful terms, not like, you know, needling her to do more on this front.
1: All right, and uh, wait,
2: hold on, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: looks like the newsroom's flagging me Whoa. down, and we may have some we breaking had the newsroom in a while. I know, uh, so uh, let me run over there and see what they got for us here. Just hang tight with me, everybody. Run in the newsroom and see what they got.
3: Hey, you're 100% full up.
1: <laughs> Give me that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's more like 20%. Okay,
1: all right, we got the story here. Alright, Bobby Rush. This is about Bobby Rush. Have you have you heard anything about this, Ben?
2: No, the uh, congressman Bobby Rush.
1: Yeah, that feller. All right. So uh let's see here. This comes from A B C seven Chicago and of course And stoner in the newsroom. Uh, It says here, U.S. Congressman Bobby Rush said that several Chicago police officers were, quote, relaxing in his campaign office while nearby areas were being looted. The incident occurred at his office at 65th Street and Wentworth Avenue on June 1st, and Congressman Rush said the incident was captured on videotape. Rush said about eight police officers were lounging in his office, lounging in and relaxing. Uh, It says here, uh, we've got a quote, says here they even had uh, unmitigated gall to make coffee for themselves and to pop popcorn, my popcorn and my microwave, while looters were tearing apart businesses within their sight and within their reach. Mayor Lightfoot offered an apology on behalf of the city. She said, quote, it's a personal embarrassment to me. The mayor said the offices abandoned their obligations and they and supervisors will be held accountable. She said that she is pushing for the state to pass a law requiring police officers to be licensed.
2: Well, that's a whole other issue that's coming down the road. Uh, licensing police officers—that's uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot. She put that one out there, that suggestion out there a couple of days ago. I need to know more about this story, though. Just hearing the like, wh- what were they doing in Bobby Rush's office?
1: Right. Yeah. And- so I was. I, I kept trying to read it. I got it earlier, and I was trying to make sense yeah. of it. Now. Like, so we got to wait for more details. You need more details. This here. is
2: one of these news stories. Happens all the time, but not just in Chicago, but like. There's, it raises more questions than it answers. Like, how did they get into Bobby Rush's office? And it, presumably right. somebody let them in. And it's kind of the state
1: of the news that we're in in 2020 where it's like you don't you want to be first more than you want to be like have all your information correct, right? You just want to get it first yeah, so for, you may not have
2: all the information. But, yeah. hey, you were first. And if somebody from Bobby Rush's office let them in, then why is he mad at the police officers? Why isn't he mad at the people who let them in? So I don't know. It's...
1: Yes, it says here uh, uh, Lightfoot is going to make an announcement here. So once we get our interview going, uh, maybe once we're done, I'll try to gather some more information on that. So that's some breaking news. But uh, one thing we wanted to talk about before we rolled out of here as well, Uh, This was from Tuesday. The headline reads, uh, the estimated 2020 budget shortfall is $700 million, says the mayor, who won't roll out property tax increase. I know, Ben, you wanted to talk about this yesterday, right? And we never covered it. No, we never got to. So let's do it now here. Wait,
2: did you say she will not roll out, will not? I just didn't hear the word. That you said won't
1: rule out won't ru- property tax. Got it. All right. So it says here the $700 million figure is 40% higher than the $500 million figure. Chief financial officer Ginny H- uh, Hang Bennett told the city council's finance committee about just over three weeks ago. The stay-at-home shutdown of the Chicago economy triggered by the coronavirus has blown a $700 million hole in the city's 2020 budget. Uh, this is what Mayor Lightfoot said Tuesday, refusing to rule out a property tax increase that she desperately wants to avoid. Uh, Lightfoot said, quote, we are hurting as a city, landlords, renters and workers, our entire economy. The rug has been pulled out from under us because of the massive impact that has affected every single business. The 700 million dollar figure is 40 percent higher than the 500 million. We said that already. It's also conservative and could go even higher. The mayor said, depending on how long it takes for consumers to regain confidence and whether coronavirus cases surge again.
2: Yeah. By the way, that's. A very real possibility. Uh, I just got finished saying that budgets are projections. They're based on estimations. And when they want to pass a budget, they have rosy projections. And then guess what? We have life. And life is filled with unexpected events like a pandemic. And so now they're saying, oh, my God, that budget that was balanced? No, it's well, uh, it's out of whack. $700 million. We have to come up with it. Uh, we're gonna probably have jeff johnson come on the show in a couple of weeks talk about uh all the implications of the pandemic uh on our budget but that's the reality uh, everybody and that's why the city you know in terms of the city of chicago now not the state here the city of chicago has to take a look at absolutely everything it, tiffs included uh before we start jacking up the property taxes to pay uh off all these obligations we've got to see how much money we have available uh, to meet our needs once and for all, instead of pretending as like TIFs aren't a part of uh, the equation. A little honesty for once uh, in the city of Chicago would really go a long way. So uh, yeah, I'm not. By the way, uh, this story. I saw this story yesterday. I was going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I had a chuckle. Paul Vallis, remember him? D. Uh, he Hi. ran for PV. A, <laughs> He ran for mayor uh, in 2019. Did not make it, of course, to the runoff. He was on our show a couple times back in the old days. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Paul Vallis uh, wrote an essay, I think it was in the, in the Chicago Tribune or somewhere. I don't know where he wrote the essay, but po- pointing out that the budget is way more unbalanced than Lori Lifer would admit. Lori Fett got mad at him. I don't blame her. He's sort of like Raylo needling her a Said little he bit. Said he was 100% full of <laughs> shit,
1: you know. The, the basics, the
2: yeah. usual? <laughs> but see, there are some parallels because uh, Paul Vallis uh, was the revenue director under Mayor Richard uh, M. Daley in the 90s, and then uh, Mayor Daley sent him over to... Uh, I think he was Chief of Staff for a while. Man, eh, maybe not. Uh, I i think I'm make, making mixing up with Jerry Chico. Anyway, uh, Mayor Daley sent him over to the Chicago Public Schools uh, to be the CEO. So he was a big star in uh, Mayor Daley's administration until Mayor Daley got tired of him and then uh, just pushed him aside. Uh, but he was there when Daly uh, invented the TIFF scam. I've always teased Vallis and saying you're the one who you're the one who told Daly about the TIF scam. And he just sort of chuckles a little nervously whenever I say that. So it's always interesting to see when these old budget hands come back and tell current mayors how they should run things. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you do so much, this is what Lori Life would be saying, why didn't you implement these ideas when you were advising Mayor Richard M. Daly? To which Paul Vallis will say, Habit it, have it, it so anyway our mayor and her uh advisors so paul Vallis, well i welcome you're welcome to join uh the reformers club anytime you want uh it's a little stretch to say somebody who worked in the revenue department for mayor uh, richard m daly is a reformer but um you know whatever different times different situations
1: is he uh, invited to join us on the bendrovsky show
2: yeah i bring paul Vallis. you know he's always fun to talk to uh paul Vallis. We, he's a fun guy to talk to he uh you know, but they, you know, I don't like to talk about the tiffs. His role in the tiffs in the night. Yeah, that, that ben, Come on, come on. That was the nineties, Ben, All right, come on. What are you talking about, Kurt Cobain? Now, come on. Ben. <laughs> come on. That was the nineties, right? Man. Huh? What are you talking about, Columbia House Records? What are you talking about here, Paulie V? Come on. Are you talking about Jackie Brown? Huh? You talking about? Come on. It's the it's not the nineties anymore, Ben. Wake up, huh? Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, what are we in MTV Beach House? Come on now. <laughs> I'm pretty much running out of 90s references. I can't... Oh, you're talking about Arrested Development, huh? Wait. Oh, you got some blue block of sunglasses, huh? Wait, time out. Was Arrested Development... That's not even the no, 90s. No. There,
1: there was a, a group, though, a rap group uh, called Arrested Development. So there you go. That's what you were talking about. Uh,
2: Andre 3000.
1: Eh. Wasn't he in that group? Yeah, like late night. No, no. Not not in Arrested Development, though.
2: No. Are you sure? I'm positive. That's outcast you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Locked up, can't get no rest. Sorry, he's getting there, guys. uh Can can I? I know you're about to cut off and do your like, but can I just? Oh yeah, go yeah. ahead. I'm uh, getting first, used to this. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, Rex Hopkey from the Chicago Tribune. He wrote a very funny. This guy is a funny columnist. Wrote a very funny column uh, in today's Tribune. Uh, which I urge everybody to check out, The Truth About Antifa's Secret Senior Soldiers. And he just mocks the hell out of uh, Donald Trump. Let's not forget Donnie Trump. We're doing a lot of local talk today. Uh, You're president of the United States that you elected America. Uh, Donald Trump's insistence that the 75-year-old, let's see, did Rex call him an old guy? Everybody's always calling him an old guy. Uh, you can relate with that, yeah, huh? I yeah, know. It's like he's not that old. Well, it's, the it, It's like when they really want to hype up the fact that the, the cop shoved him. The old man. That's what they always do. Anyway, um, but he sounded like a really cool guy. Uh, and Donald Trump uh, thought th- 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 tweeted out that, in fact, it wasn't just a 75-year old Roman Catholic peace activist, but that he was uh, an Antifa, uh, what, uh, rabble-rouser, revolutionary uh, who was going to wage war against the United States. He just made the stuff up as he went along, folks. Anybody <laughs> believes anything the president tweets? Uh, and uh, so uh, Rex Hufsky writes, quote, As soon as I saw tw- uh, Trump's tweet, I knew the jig is up. Trump is on to us. He knows about the scanners. He knows we're trained to fall harder than we're pushed. He knows we're successfully recruited a small army of seemingly innocent and decent seniors and dispatched them to, quote, black out the equipment, unquote, of police officers across the nation. The phrase black out the equipment doesn't actually mean anything, which is why it is so nefarious that we Antifa types are constantly aiming our scanners at things. Funny stuff by Rex Hupke. And finally, I want to give a big shout out to Mark Brown. He's been really on a roll. Uh, we haven't seen Mark in a while because we're not at the bright one anymore, D.
1: Well, I I was going to keep it to myself, but I've been seeing him sneak over to Cricket
2: Hill every... Marcus T. Brown. <laughs> he loves Cricket Hill, dude. 15 <laughs> times. It's true. Uh, all right, we're not going to tease him about whether he actually <laughs> went up and down that hill 15. I swear I did it. He wrote a pretty... Uh, it was a good piece about uh, Scott Lee Cohen. Anybody uh, got be, to gotta be at least 40 to know who Scott Lee Cohen is. Uh, he got an elected. He's a pawnbroker. His family was, his daddy was a pawnbroker, uh, and he was elected lieutenant governor. He won the Democratic primary, I forget which year. Uh, out of nowhere, he won the Democratic primary. Anyway, Scott Lee Cohen uh, invited Mark Brown down to visit uh, his pawn shop on the south side and talk about uh, the, 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 rooting, the the looting and the rioting that went on there. Uh, a, a very interesting uh, column by Mark Brown sort of goes at it a little bit with Scott Lee Cohen. I urge everybody to check it out. Good job by Mark Brown. He's been doing some good work lately. So I just had to give a couple of
1: shout-outs. And Mark, sorry to call you out there on the show, but I've been seeing you on Cricket Hill. And hey, this applies to you too. We will
5: shut you down. <laughs> we will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you. And we will take you to jail.
1: You okay. need those Mark Brown
2: pieces now. Uh, wait, timeout. out. Have they opened? The, has the mayor opened up the uh, the lakefront yet? I, haven't, I don't I haven't, think uh-huh. so. Still shut. All right. Still shut. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep that light front shut, D. All right. All right. Anything else you want to add there? Uh oh, NASCAR. Can I talk about NASCAR briefly? Or should it's I wait It's Called till tomorrow. the Ben Show. Well, this really rec- I think I'll hold off till tomorrow to talk about NASCAR. This one just blew my mind. <laughs> this NASCAR guy, uh Ciccarelli, who's quitting NASCAR because he thinks they've gone too far by banning the Confederate flag. Unbelievable. You know, NASCAR trying to do the best they can. You know what I mean? Like, really just be aware of what's going on in our country and just try to do the right thing. And here's, ah, gone too far, banning the Confederate flag. I'll probably uh, riff on that tomorrow, D. All right, tomorrow's show. Boy, he
1: is a teasing machine. (laughs) We're going to take a break, guys. After this song from Michael Girardi, we are going to be having another Cannabis Conversation. Uh, it's with Lisa Solomon, and she always brings a special guest, and their special guests are her special guests are always fantastic. Uh, this week, it's Vincent Normand. Yep. So don't go anywhere. It's the Jarovsky Show. Still from Ben's Attic. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Back to the Ben Show, live from Ben's attic.
2: This weekend I had a 90-minute, uh, I think, conversation with my next guest, uh, Vincent Normant, uh, from the Parkway Dispensary. We were talking about him coming on the show, and then just one thing led to the other. We are uh, he's the uh, founder of the Marijuana Hall of Fame. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, how come I'm not in the Marijuana Hall of Fame? And then I told Dennis about it. He was like, hey, I want to be in the Marijuana. Everybody wants to be in the Marijuana Hall of Fame. I said, Vince Norman, uh, you have to come on my show. He agreed to do it. And we're doing it as part of a cannabis conversation. Uh, Lisa Salmon from my beloved Chicago Reader joins us as well. Uh, and uh, there's a whole list of things I want to ask Vince and Norman. Norman. So I'm going to put them out there at the outset. To hope we cover them all. We don't cover them today. We'll get to them later uh the marijuana hall of fame uh black entrepreneurs getting locked out of reefer licenses in the state of illinois um michael jordan little michael jordan talk and jerry Krause. vincent Norman uh, worked uh has some nba connections we're going to get into uh and then yeah we're gonna do a little lebron talk with lebron james i sent this uh to vincent last night to talk about as well uh lebron james is taking the next step and he and some of the other nba players are going to uh Uh, put together a group that's going to register black voters. So uh, it looks like this movement is not ending uh, with, uh, you know, like those last weeks of protests. It's ongoing. So lots to talk about with Vincent Norman, but why don't I have Lisa Solomon, my dear friend from the Chicago Reader, introduce Vincent. Go ahead, Lisa.
5: Hey, Ben. Yeah. Happy to have Vincent E. Norman on with us today. Vincent is a serial entrepreneur. He has... Um, gotten several international patents, trademarks, and copyrights. He's worked with several startup companies. He's a partner in dispensary in Vegas, in addition addition to his involvement in the industry in Chicago. And he is currently one of the hundreds of people in Illinois uh, that applied for a dispensary license that is still waiting to hear. And it looks like, based on some issues with deciding the tiebreaker portion of this, that You may not hear until September if his group 4BC will be awarded any licenses. So as Ben mentioned, Vincent is the founder of the Marijuana Hall of Fame, which will open in Vegas. So Vincent, before I turn it over to you to tell us all more about your journey through life and how you ended up where you are now, I also want you to answer the question, why did you choose to call it? Marijuana Hall of Fame, with all the controversy and, you know, the racist roots of the sports of marijuana, why that name instead of cannabis. So with that Vincent, I'm going to turn it over to you to tell us more about yourself and then answer that question
6: for us. Sure. Sure. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, It's a pleasure uh, to represent Parkway Dispensary for BC Cannabis and also the Marijuana Hall of Fame as well. you know, I had the opportunity to uh, work in the sports industry uh, with several NBA players, as you said before, as well as NFL players. Um, also, uh, just in the field, film industry as well, I was a record producer on several movies and looking to uh, work on a couple of films now in the future. So uh, when you say serial entrepreneur, you know, I try to touch on uh, pretty much everything in the industry, try to follow uh, what's going on in the future. So, kind of like a visionary, I guess you could say. <clears throat> uh, to ask you a question about the Marijuana Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, marijuana has uh, the, the name itself, the stigma behind it. Uh, a lot of people uh, have uh, pay, uh, paid a heavy penalty, uh, especially uh, black and brown people. And so, the reason why I chose the name uh, Marijuana over Cannabis because I wanted to hit it head on and, and call it what it is. You know, you know the popular name is marijuana. If you think about it, you never hear a news anchor start off with, uh, let's talk about cannabis, uh, cannabis dispensaries. They always say marijuana dispensaries. Uh, even in print, um, it's always addressed as marijuana. So we wanted to uh, really identify what it is and so uh we i, I just thought cannabis hall of fame would be soft kind of self the blow some, so to speak and not really representing the community the culture and the people uh, uh that really paid a heavy penalty for this uh, a lot of uh, homes were broken up a lot of families in the, et etc so we wanted to identify marijuana to let the industry know that uh this is what it is and we want to recognize those people who uh, paved the way in the industry. And uh, we don't want to shortcut the name. And we want to be able to be proud about what it is because this is a plant that represents uh, wellness, has helped a lot of people uh, in uh, the health department as far as uh, the CBD, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's why uh, I wanted to uh, identify the name for what it is uh, to represent the community. And to break up the stigma head on. Okay, if that makes sense.
2: Yes. Now, Vincent, I have uh, before we get into the Marijuana Hall of Fame, what I have to do to get in, get in, uh, enshrined in it. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, uh, your evolution uh, to this position. And I always point out when I do one of these cannabis uh, interviews. See, Lisa taught me to say cannabis, uh, Vincent. I've been well-trained. I used to call it reefer, and and Lisa taught me to say cannabis. So I'm very well-trained. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but it was 10 years ago when uh, my colleague McDumpkey and I at The Reader started writing uh, endless articles about the need uh, to legalize marijuana, legalize reefer, whatever you want to call it. And nobody wanted to talk about it. It was, you talk about a off-limit topic. It was People were afraid to talk. Public officials were afraid to talk about it. Democrats were so intimidated by a Republican law and order rhetoric uh, that they were afraid to embrace uh, the legalization effort because they didn't want to be labeled as soft on crime, uh, weak on drug enforcement. It's insanity because most of them were smoking it themselves, Vincent, or knew, had smoked it and just stopped. So when did you just come out and say, I'm part of this, uh, legalization movement. Was it an evolution with you? Uh,
6: sort of. Yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, for, you know, for years, I'm, not that I shied away from it, but publicly, you know, I didn't, uh make this an issue of, or that I'm a, you know, kind of but, uh, you know, from a health and wellness standpoint, you know, I did talk about the, uh, again, the CBD products and uh, how it helped me. But as you said, the evolution for me was uh, about, I guess, five years ago that I really started, you know, saying that, you know, hey, I need to be a voice here. And uh, so I just went out there and started it uh, about, you know, the plant itself and the benefits, the health benefits as well. And um uh, and so I took on those responsibilities and then uh lo and behold, uh not me expecting this at all, uh two thousand eighteen. Um uh, I was driving in my car and I got to singing this song about I'm in the marijuana put me in the marijuana Hall of Fame. And I said, Marijuana Hall of Fame, wow, that's interesting. So I googled the name and uh Lo and behold, there was no Marijuana Hall of Fame or any things such as uh, a rival of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so um, I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to uh, look a little bit more into it and uh, to establish it and and to create the Marijuana Hall of Fame. And so in order for me to really um, champion the plant and, and really represent the um, uh, what it is, the hall. I wanted to uh, learn more about the recreational side, so I uh, took the liberty of moving out to Vegas, uh, just took up and left Chicago and said, hey, I'm gonna go out here uh, on the West Coast where you know uh, they have a little bit more of uh, uh, a head start. And so I went out there and started uh, learning a little bit more about uh, the recreational side and how business to business works and uh, the community itself corporations and also the, a little bit more about the culture. And so from there, um, uh, before I actually went to Vegas, I was a uh, campaigner for JB, uh, because he was, uh, one of his, uh, one of his campaign promises was that if he got elected, uh, he would make sure that recreational marijuana would be legal here in the state of Illinois. So, uh, from there to Vegas, um, a lot of contacts, um, creating a lot of relationships. And then, of course, once Illinois announced that it would be legal recreational, I came back to my state, land of Lincoln, mm-hmm. in my city, Chicago, which I love.
2: Yeah. Uh, we did, we, we hop skits over this, but De Vincent was born in Chicago, lived here until you were 14. Do I have that right? Is my memory correct? Then you moved to Arkansas?
6: Yes. I uh, moved to Arkansas when I was in sixth grade. So uh, okay. it was around about 11, 12.
2: Uh, so, so Chicago is his hometown. All right. So let's talk about the difficulties, the obstacles uh, that black run dispensaries have getting a license. Talk about that a bit.
6: You know, uh, I was kind of really disappointed. Uh, again, you know, I campaigned for JP, uh Governor prishna And I was really disappointed that he came out with a statement a couple of days before the license was going to be issued that... Uh, the recreational dispensary license would not be uh, issued uh, on um, May 1, and he put an indefinite date on it, you know, and I thought that was just a, really a low blow to the uh, African-American community, uh, black and brown people, uh, Latinos, etc., the Northeast in general. And um, so, you know, I know me, my team, uh, our CEO, Ambrose, uh, Jackson, and... Um, the team itself you know we wanted to kind of be a voice and get out there talking about why is this and so um, we created a a platform where we started holding a panel talking about different discussions about how we can uh, be a voice and and kind of speed up the process so it's been very uh, disheartening
2: is is there a do you have a sense of when there'll be a breakthrough and uh, some of the licenses will be distributed to black-owned businesses.
6: Well, as uh, Lisa said, we uh, are looking at uh, September. Hopefully, um, Lisa, I, I hope that uh, it's a lot sooner than that. You know, maybe uh, at the end of this month, or hopefully in July. Uh, we are definitely putting pressure on them with uh, you know city council and the aldermen uh, here in uh, Chicago, and reaching out to the mayor's where the mayor's office. Uh, but mainly uh, to you know uh, bring awareness downstate and just really talk about why uh, this is important that these licenses be issued like uh, ASAP uh, because again we know that there's never dispensaries or really actually never had now in uh, Chicago they all white owned by uh, white men in their 40s and up and uh, that's really unacceptable and uh, I'm not going to. as much as uh, the white community uh, responsible, but there is a responsibility there as well. But then also, uh, if you know the history uh, behind uh, the application, there were, a lot of people don't realize it, but there were two minority-owned dispensaries that were supposed to be issued out. It actually was issued out medically-wise, and uh, just lack of funding and opportunity, and they uh, wasn't able to uh, really get off the ground up and running. And they end up having to sell, end up selling their license, uh, and so uh, that was disheartening. And I thought that you would think that the state and the city would uh, not let that happen, and, and would do more than uh, just issue out the license, but help them with the finances and the responsibilities and the mentorship, so they can also be able to operate uh, in the in, in the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago as well but that did not take place and uh, you know, it's like, a, again, I, I believe that if the state wanted to happen, it can happen. And somewhere, uh, the state legislators are in, uh, office, uh, uh there seems, uh, an effort to, uh, continue in let the establishment get the you know, get ahead of the game.
5: Right. So, One of the big issues here was that they had 4,000 applications. It was about 700 people that submitted 4,000 applications. And the way the scoring system was done, they were going to end up with a lot of ties. And the state, it's my understanding, is trying to figure out policy on how to break the ties to avoid a plethora of lawsuits. And... The tiebreaker language that they had come up with was tied into an amendment to some other cannabis legislation that also addressed removing a lot of the restrictions on how a patient can change their designated dispensary. Because if you're a medical card holder, you can only go to one specific dispensary at which you registered. You can change it. But it took some time to do that. The uh, legality of advertising in newspapers, there were a lot of pieces to that bill. And it would stop. And there's a lot of talk behind the scenes, a lot of controversy about why this didn't pass, because it was very close to going through. And I'm not going to get into that here, because it's a lot of hearsay in terms of who was doing what. But it is unfortunate, because there is a huge cost to not being able to start the business. There are people that have scouted properties because of the restrictions of distance from libraries and daycare and so many things, they found property and people will pay a lot of money for an option to either lease or purchase the property. So if the equity applicants are not able to get access to enough capital now, it is going to make it very difficult for some of them to actually open their business when they get the license. So these are all things that are being discussed and looked at. So our hope is that they get things put into place fast enough and get the licenses out there fast enough that the top equity applicants who are awarded licenses can actually open their businesses.
6: That's true. But, you know, uh, again, you know, as you said, uh, in hope of, and again, by having an indefinite date, this thing could go on until November, Um, you know, um, that's scary. That's a scary, uh, scary, thought. Because again, like you just said, uh, um, the applicant has spent you know tons, thousands of dollars, and we're waiting, we're in- waiting in tow here right now. And I believe that uh, some of the uh, applications, or applicants, going to have to drop out if this continues to linger on for the simple fact that you know financially, uh, they just won't have the capital. You know, because right now, investors are waiting, you know, their stance is why should we invest in these uh, minority-owned dispensaries or just dispensary licenses in general? Let's find out who's going to get the license first and then, you know, then we know we have a pretty much a winning ticket, you know. So that being said, it's really holding uh, the applicants hostage as far as, uh, you know, being able to go back to the landlord and say, hey, you know, it's, you know. Can we extend the lease or whatever those different things are in, uh, with the funding? So it puts a, a really financial strain on
2: uh, the applicants. Absolutely. They're holding on to, uh, to property that they can't use yet. They're paying, in, in effect, they're paying rent and they aren't getting any income in. So it's a sure way to go out of business. Alicia, do you have any other uh, marijuana-related questions before I move on to the Oh, we should talk about the Marijuana Hall of Fame. So what's your vision? Yeah,
5: let's hear more about that.
2: Yeah, what's your vision, Vincent, of who gets into the Marijuana Hall of Fame and is anybody in it? Or, you, you got the, the, the right to the name. You have a location, Las Vegas. Uh, what's the next step?
6: So uh, as, I, as I said earlier, you know, I, I kind of looked at uh, 2019 uh, a little bit more of a research and development and really understanding uh, how uh, we can serve the community because it's not my marijuana hall of fame it belongs to uh the community the people who paved the way who championed the plant and did all the things to uh, get it to where we are now uh, i think there's roughly 11 states in uh district group uh, columbia where recreational and 33 uh states medical so we want to continue to uh get other states involved in the uh, process as well so with the marijuana hall of fame We want to recognize those uh, who paved the way in the industry. Um, And it's not just potheads. People think, oh, this is, you know, this is reefer, as as you say, uh, be a reefer. But uh, we also have scientists who, uh, you know, created and and extracted the plant for CBD. Uh, State legislators, Prop 96 in uh, California, which was the first uh, medical state to uh, make it legal. People like uh, Ricky Williams in sports, you know, he, he championed the plan uh, in the NFL and uh, paid a heavy price. Uh, lost a lot of money, suspended several times. Uh, Willie Nelson, uh, his history goes way back. Did uh, a lot of jail time, in and out of jail, uh, because he really um, was an advocate for uh, marijuana. And so, and Chong, of course, and uh, the founder of Normal. Uh, uh, Mr. Swope, uh, the founder of uh, High Time Magazine back in uh, 1974. Um, so, we want to identify those people and enshrine and, and, and them induct them into the Hall. But our first run it was uh, 2019, where we uh, inducted Wanda James into the Marijuana Hall of Fame, along with along with Steve uh, D- D'Angelo, and uh, we. Worked with NJBiz uh, Daily. Uh, they awarded uh, them into the Hall of Fame, and so that was our first uh, introduction uh, to to recognize these two individuals because they really paved the way. They really paid a heavy price, and really uh, was on the forefront of uh, cannabis. And uh, when we when we talk about uh, minority owned uh, dispensaries, and they're somewhere around three four percent, it's really amazing how. The first two that get inducted are minorities, Wanda James, an African American, um, and Steve DiBardo. Um, his his inheritance in the uh, Hispanic community as well. So here we are <laughs> inducting two uh, of our first class minorities, but uh, we only represent 4% of the industry and that is unacceptable.
2: Elise, why don't you tell people a little bit about Wanda James? Vincent just mentioned
5: her. Wanda is actually coming on the show next month. She is phenomenal. She is a pioneer in the industry. Uh, She owns uh, a dispensary in Colorado. And Vincent, if you'd like to add more, go right ahead.
6: Sure. You know, uh, the dispensary that you mentioned is uh, simply a pure dispensary. Uh, She's also... uh, Founded and president of the Cannabis Global Initiative. Uh, she's a, a formal, uh, you know, veteran, lieutenant uh, in the Navy. Uh, she's been an activist for decriminalization of marijuana as well. I mean, her accolades go way far and beyond, and, uh, as well as uh, Steve uh, DeAngelo, uh, He was, um, actually uh, won a lawsuit against the state. They had shut down his uh, dispensary and uh, took all of his product, and he uh, fought uh, state legislators and went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and had a ruling in his favor uh, that he could continue to operate uh, legally. And uh, uh, you know, so that was a big win for him. Uh, and again, like I said, this is why these uh, two individuals uh, really trump. Uh, anyone out there, I believe, when it comes down to uh, representing uh, marijuana as a whole and the stigma behind it. Right,
5: and it's really interesting that Steve D'Angelo is also the founder of a nonprofit called The Last Prisoner Project, and they've been getting a lot of donations in the last couple weeks with everything going on and more attention being given to the unjust incarceration of people of color for cannabis offenses. So that's an interesting organization. We can talk more about on a
6: different show. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, and you See, also... he's, he's He's quite a charismatic guy too. So you have got to definitely get him on the show. He's a very yeah, he has, We met him at the
5: conference
2: last year. Uh, Vincent, you mentioned Ricky Williams, and uh, we'll use that as a transition to, uh, to into sports, which is something I want, I want to ask you about uh, your connections. Uh, to Michael Jordan and your thoughts on Michael Jordan and LeBron James and the changing role of uh, black superstars uh, in the movement. Uh, but to Ricky Williams, we had this conversation, I think, on Saturday. Uh, I, I called it a reefer reparations. and I Right. Re- re- there you go. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's why I got to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, so ricky williams i know a lot of our listeners aren't in the sports but ricky williams is a great running back i think he was drafted by the new orleans saints played for the dolphins doing this off the top of my head he was and uh, i think mike dick i just ripped mike dick in a column but mike Dicka was the coach of the saints when he drafted him and uh, his career sure. well, he was constantly getting in trouble for smoking marijuana constantly uh getting banned or ousted and this is what i'm talking about vincent just the mindset of society as a whole, but the NFL in particular, you got huge men running at each other at full speed, like damaging themselves significantly. And when they, they try to ease the pain a little bit or the torment by smoking a joint or whatever, they get banned. They're tested for it. But they're allowed to take all kinds of pills Somehow or other, that's allowed. And I just think the hypocrisy of the NFL all these years, they should have to pay a price to someone like Ricky Williams, in my humble opinion. What do you think?
6: Uh, Definitely. Uh, You know, we had that conversation Saturday, and, uh, yeah, that's what the name (laughs) We came up with the name uh, Reefer, uh, uh, Reparation, But um, I believe that, uh, you know, they – over the Harry price to Ricky Williams. And, um, you know, we're going to start a campaign, and I was glad that you uh, said that you would join as well. We're going to start a petition to the NFL to address that issue because uh, the collective bargaining agreement um, decided, I think, around about three months ago to uh, take it off the uh, ban list and no longer test for uh, marijuana, THC, cannabis, however you want to call it. <clears throat> so that being said, they... Um, I think the players that were suspended at the time that they uh, um, cast their votes for that, they actually uh, reinstated those players. So, again, we're talking about guys who uh, really been playing football since, you know, Pee Wee, the Pee Wee League, and really uh, put their hearts and souls into it. And they're giving opioids and all kind of other uh, pain medication that does nothing but, you know, cause more harm than good and you have uh you know cannabis and uh, cbd products out there that can really uh do just as much and uh, probably even better but with less side effects and uh so i think it's important uh that we uh address those issues uh as well in sports but also just in general uh, uh here in the u.s all right you let's
5: go About that, there there have been some studies, and again, not enough research has been done since it's not legal at the federal level, although CBD is now legal. There have been studies that have shown that using it prophylactically, like taking it before you go out to play football or another contact sport, can reduce the inflammatory effect from a head injury. I'd like to see more research on that. There are former NFL players I've spoken to that have founded CBD companies who have young boys who let their kids play in football leagues they said only because they give them CBD before every practice and every game. And as a parent, it's the right to, but I'd like to see research done and help these players before they get on the field. They're getting knocked around all the time. They get so many more concussions than anyone ever acknowledges.
6: And, you know, and to your point, uh, you know, I, I didn't play any sports when I was in Chicago, but, you know, moving to Arkansas, uh, uh, you know, especially in the South, you know, uh, football is religion. So, uh, you know, I, I, I got on the field kind of late in the game as a sophomore, and um, I started playing linebacker slash um, defensive end, and I had an opportunity, had a you know, great career, high school career, end up um <clears throat> being uh, an all American All Star, playing an all-star game at uh, Little Rock Memorial Stadium and uh just really uh, receiving scholarships and uh in the in that area as well. And uh I used to I used to get hit so many times uh running through the backfield by those uh, offensive linemen that, you know, it just started to wear tear on my knees and uh I started having uh little dizzy spells. And so when I got to college in um, my freshman year and I broke my jaw uh, in practice, um, I decided then that enough is enough. And uh, I just walked away from the game. I never really had the desire to play in the NFL. You know, I love the sport, but um, I just walked away because I thought I it was doing more harm to my body uh, than good. And than, uh, you're right, you know, it's, it's a heavy price that these athletes pay and uh, they're not, you know, being treated uh, fairly, I believe. And uh, we got to change that. Yeah, I agree. Right, go.
5: especially if there's something we know might help. People are paying a lot of money to watch them. People are making a lot of money. Let's help them as much as we can, or let them help themselves.
2: Yeah. I, yes, I, Vincent, I would go one step further. Uh, this is a topic for another time, but I, I actually think that sure. um, no tackle football before uh, – the age of I don't know freshman year maybe eighth grade flag football is a great way to learn the game of football in my humble opinion. No no tackle football just play flag and then when they're there when I say this a lot of the dads get mad at me uh, but I just think parents
6: well,
2: have lost. Well, if sense. you think
6: about it, if, if you think about it, even with youth football, the brain has really not developed yet. You know, in eight, seven, I mean eight, nine, ten, eleven year olds. So you're, you're correct. You know, it should be flag football, you know, because I think it, it's just maybe a player or a young teenager should start in the ninth grade, maybe a freshman or a sophomore. Because it gives the uh, – again, it, it gives your brain time to develop and, uh, and you're not getting those blows at an early age, which can lead to concussions. And believe it or not, and that's it's not told a lot of high school players uh, suffer concussions, yeah. and it's not documented. A lot of times, you know, I know when I played, it was like, oh, you didn't make a bill, bro. Get back in there. And, uh, you know, and that was the uh, mindset. You know, now we know different. Yeah. Besides,
2: uh, flag football is a blast to play, but that's a whole other story. All right. Uh, Let's talk about uh, your days with the Jordan brand, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. uh, And we'll close it down with a brief discussion of how things have changed. I look what LeBron James is doing uh, as opposed to what went down in the 90s with Michael Jordan which uh, we were all talking about for the last uh, couple of weeks with the last dance, which depicted it. So talk a little bit about your days right. with the Jordan brand. Go ahead.
6: So, you know, um, there was a product that I represented the company. I was involved with a startup company. Um, I was a shareholder in called finger weight and, and this is exactly what it is. It's weights for your fingers. <laughs> and so, uh, They go around your fingers and they help you when you're on a football course. you know, just strengthening your fingers and your your indexes inside uh, uh, the fingers and everything. So um, I got involved in that. And Jordan in 2002 uh, was having his first, uh, you know, the McDonald's All-American game, uh, for those who recognize that. He was on the Jordan brand classic, and it was in uh, Washington, D.C. And um, we were one of the type of sponsors. And uh, got an opportunity to spend uh, three days with Michael Jordan, and uh, class was Carmelo Anthony, JJ Redick, um, mm-hmm. and that class. And so, in general, I, you know, my first encounter with Michael Jordan, I was talking about, hey, you, you know, man, you should do more for the community. Uh, you know, the city of Chicago, you know, killing people over your sneakers and stuff. And and Michael looked at me like, hey, look. Yeah, that's not my responsibility, you know, I just sell sneakers, you know, I'm, I'm not an advocate, you know, and and I, I just thought that, uh, you know, he could have been a, a, a better uh, voice and a model uh, for that. And um, so throughout that, uh, that weekend, I would, you know, bring the subject up again, and he was like, listen, you keep talking about that. I'm gonna put you on my gym. <laughs> and I look. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I know you. I know you. You know your company is one of the sponsors, but you know I, I just don't want to address that. And uh, we respect. I respected that. And the reason why I knew he was serious because I watched him. Uh, you know, at one of the practices, uh, Jerry Cross walked in, and, and those who watched the uh, last dance, you know, we can tell the love hate relationship there. And he asked Jerry Cross. He said, uh, "Leave my gym." And Jerry Cross looked up. And I'm like, wait, you know, is he playing? He said, no, 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 leave my gym. And Jerry Cross sat there and he said security. And then Jerry Cross realized he was serious. And he got up, grabbed his bags and briefcase and uh, they escorted him out the gym. And I was like, wow. You know, at the time, I didn't know how much that that tension was until you when you watched The Last Dance, right? You know, and uh, just, you know, the fact that, uh, Michael Jordan, including was underpaid when he was playing uh, with the Chicago Bulls. But uh, again, you know, um, I didn't have any compassion for him because you know, I felt like he wasn't doing anything for the community. So hey, you know, it is what it is. But um, I do want to say that when I watched the last dance, I really kind of understood uh, what he was going through in the obstacles, and and I kind of changed my my point of view about him as a person and as a model. And, um, you know, as as, you know, as you said, you know, LeBron James is clearly out the gate um, doing all the things, the right things and, um, you know, representing uh, the community and building schools and being an advocate for uh, the African-American community. And, um, you know, that was refreshing to see. And, you know, one of the things that were, you know, I I kind of uh, can say is that you know I had the opportunity to represent Michael Jordan brand uh, as a sponsor, and I had the opportunity to train LeBron James the finger weights, and so uh, you know that in, in itself, you know, uh, watching LeBron, he had a lot of people around him that were really a positive influence on him, and so you know from the Inside, I understand why he do what, he, what he's doing. It's because he had those role models, and he had the platform to really uh, do those things. And so it's, it's it's refreshing to see how Michael Jordan has uh, reinvented himself and 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 is taking on those responsibilities. You know, one of the things that I liked was he immediately came out with a statement about uh, the George uh, Floyd uh, incident. Mm-hmm. And he just, he called it what it was, you know, just an act of racism and injustice. And, um, you know, he was really, really uh, owning up to, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. He was really owning up to the fact that, hey, you guys don't buy my sneakers because, you know, I I want to represent my community. I want to represent my culture and, and my um, the African-American community, which I am as well. So I, I thought that was great. So my um, head fell to him, and I bought my first uh, Michael Jordan uh, 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 t teacher. I ordered it. You know, I've never wore uh, any <laughs> Jordan brands because I wasn't a supporter. So, you know, like I said again, I want to support those who support us. I want to support those who support the people in general, because no one should have to uh, be treated uh, unfairly in uh, in any form or fashion. So.
2: Well, Vincent, I have to tell you this, uh, as a resident of Chicago throughout the 80s and the 90s, and as a diehard Bulls fan, uh, I, I like most Chicagoans, worship the Michael Jordan that played basketball, and forever appreciate six championships, uh, and you, you, you were here through sixth grade, you know how barren things were with Chicago professional sports, okay, we don't have a lot of championships to root for, so I always, I always think he's the greatest of all time, but... I had this conversation yesterday, I think I told you about it briefly, uh, with Joe Colley of the Chicago Sun-Times, and I urge folks when they get a time uh, to go listen to that download. We, he's the Bulls beat writer. And I asked him, in his opinion, you know, what his thoughts are comparing and contrasting LeBron James and Michael Jordan. And he said one thing about LeBron James that he always has to give him credit for, he's always about elevating everybody who's around him. And it's not just the players he plays with, uh, but it's his – kids he grew up with, you know, back in Ohio, who are, work with him to this day. Uh, and now you see it with his um, venture, which I'm, I'm really impressed by, to try to uh, increase black uh, turnout in the, uh, this upcoming election. So I thought that was an interesting kind. And he said that uh, Michael Jordan is, was always generally about Michael Jordan. Uh, So I I hadn't thought about it in that way because I'm so biased in favor of Michael Jordan as just as a basketball player. What's your thoughts about that contrast?
6: You know, uh, I would have agreed kind of, like I said, if I hadn't really saw the documentary or the last dance and, uh, and like, again, like I I really feel that uh, I have my, uh, you know, pulse on the, uh, on professional sports and professional athletes, and um, I I agree in somewhat in some form or fashion, but then also um, I kind of understand again that you know better late than never, you know. So um, I try not to look back at what was then and kind of look at what was what is now, and uh, now uh, clearly Michael Jordan is uh, stepping up to the plate. And, and and let's give credit where credit's due. Part of that is LeBron James. You know, you know, uh, believe it or not, um, you know, you would think that he would have been the mentor, but really, um, LeBron James is sort of championing that that uh, that area as being a mentor and giving back to the community, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, better late than never. Um, you know, I have nothing really bad to say about Michael Jordan now because. Uh, He he is evolving, and um, he owned up to the reason why he wasn't involved in um, a lot of the issues in the Black community. That doesn't make it right, but uh, it do bring perspective to uh, understanding that, you know, because I witnessed this myself as an African-American male, when you speak up, uh, you usually get Black balls we know of one particular player in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, I can understand maybe uh, we might not, but probably some of the fear uh, that Jordan had to go through uh, during this time as uh, Chicago Bulls and representing uh, that, their mental. All right. Because yeah. several, Af- several African-American athletes, Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, the list goes on. Chris Jackson, which stranger's his name to Muhammad, uh, Radu. Uh, paid, a, paid a heavy price when uh, they spoke out. And, um, again, you know, it, we got to change that. And uh, hopefully for the better with the, what's going on now, uh, we're starting to see athletes take, uh, take the man's way and run with it and really uh, get out there and be a voice for the community.
2: And, and we have to add Craig Hodges' name to that list uh, here in the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Craig Hodges, great uh, Chicago Bull player. All right. Thank you very much, Vincent. Lisa, before I let you go, uh, give some updates on my beloved uh, Chicago Reader. We could use all the help we uh, we can get. We have many fundraising efforts going on to support the Reader. Hey, do you have any updates you want to tell people about?
5: Yeah. Tracy Bame, our publisher, and the Chicago Reader started something called FEMA, CIMA, C-I-M-A. Um, Chicago Independent Media Alliance and we just completed a fundraising campaign that supports about 42 43 independent media outlets in Chicago raised a total of160,000 dollars in a few weeks. It was an incredible outpouring of support for the community and this was split amongst many outlets. So it's wonderful to see so many people in our community realizing how important it is to have you know these independent media voices. Um, To support the reader, you can go to chicagoreader.com support. We have some incredible thank you gifts that you can get at different levels. Um, Lior, who's one of our longtime music writers, just came out with a best of book, and it is incredible. And Mike Zula, our lead food writer, Also, just completed the compilation of a recipe book, which is now for sale. We've got some Chicago's Top Chef in there. We've got the cannabis book, the 420 Companion, which is a lot of fun. We've got the coloring book. We've got so many amazing ways that you can get a little something for supporting the reader. And I think there are a couple of puzzles left, which was our cover, Millennium Park, the Bean saying, Do not touch. That's a tough puzzle, let me tell you. So, that's a great collectible. And it comes in a tin, kind of like a giant Pringles can. So thank you for those who have supported us and everyone else who wants to. You can donate any amount. A dollar is appreciated. Everything helps us to provide you with this wonderful Ben Jarofsky show and a lot of great coverage of Chicago issues.
2: Yes, and I'm going to uh, make my own contribution. Um, uh, <laughs> I've had a lot of psychological uh T- twists and turmoil over I the, the reader wants me to come up with my best of book, uh, Vincent, so I, I've been at this game for a long time I've been writing for the reader since the 80s so I've been having to go Whoa. through I know <laughs> I when he said, oh, that was translation God, he's old uh, anyway, uh, so I'm having to go yeah, through if you
5: were more modest then, it would be easier <laughs> yeah.
2: so I was like I gotta go through all these archives and all these stories and it's just been uh, it's like going back in time and seeing what you look like or what you thought back in 1984, if you can imagine such a things, but I finally put it together and, and Vincent's got a lot of, there's some, uh, I got a Norm Van Leer, uh, profile. He's one of the great Chicago Bulls. Cause I'm a sport. I got a Craig Hodges profile that I'm going to include. Uh, and, uh, Harold, nice. That's yeah, nice. Harold Washington. So some great, uh, figures in Chicago history. So I'm finally got it together, Lisa, and maybe in July it'll be out. So,
6: uh, now, I, can I say this? I, I just should... want to, I want to, I want to shout out real quick, you know, when you say the girl in Washington, you know, let's really shout out our uh, mayor, uh lightfoot. Uh, it's a tough job and, uh, I, you know, let's, let's get behind it, you know, Democrat, Republic, whatever you are. Let's get behind her and support her because she's trying to really change the culture of the city. And, uh, so I, I want to send a shout out to her for that.
2: All right, Vincent, uh, we're going to get you part of the con- the political conversation. We've been talking a lot about Lo- uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, all day and uh, her uh, uh, relationships with the Chicago City Council, so we'll bring you back for that. Vincent Norman, thank you so much. Lisa Solomon, thank you very much. Cannabis Conversation. And uh, I know I'm going to have Vincent Norman back on the show, we'll probably talk politics, sports, all kinds of things. So thank you both for stopping by. Appreciate it. And uh, Dr. T any updates for us? <laughs> huh? <sighs> You got any updates Love before we that head up Love segment. The,
1: yeah, the yeah a little follow-up here. Uh, we had some breaking news uh, about Bobby Rush in his office. All right, I have a little video. Uh, but to recap here, several Chicago police officers were captured. This is from WGN. Several Chicago police officers were captured on video relaxing inside the recently burglarized office of Congressman Bobby Rush while nearby businesses were looted. This is what Lightfoot said today. Surveillance video taken inside the longtime Congressman Southside campaign campaign. campaign office in the early hours of June 1, shows a group of officers just chilling, sitting, making popcorn. Uh, They're on their phone. One dude's napping while small businesses on the south side were looted and burned. Uh, This has really peeved the mayor. She's not happy about it. Uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to play this audio from WGN. For the love of God, don't sue us, guys. Just trying to cover this story for our listeners. Don't sue us. And maybe hire me. I don't know. Okay, here we go.
4: Video that showed Shocked and enraged by video that shows roughly 13 Chicago police officers and supervisors appearing to lounge in Congressman Bobby Rush's campaign office after it had been burglarized earlier in the day while nearby stores were being looted. This is just some of that video released this afternoon. Congressman Rush said it happened nearly two weeks ago on June 1st, as violence flared across the city. Rush said a burglar alarm went off at his office. Hours later, officers arrived, and even after that, when the congressman's staff reviewed videotape, they found this video of officers with their feet up, some making popcorn and coffee, appearing to relax in the congressman's office. The group included several supervisors, The mayor said, quote, these individuals were lounging in a congressman's office while small businesses on the south side were looted and burned and while their own colleagues were getting bottles thrown at their heads. While police have had days off canceled, they've been working very long shifts. The police superintendent said, quote, seeing officers asleep during a riot with supervisors in tow reflects on our leadership. The superintendent saying, the department's integrity is more important than protecting those officers from strict discipline. He said these officers will be right, disciplined up, that's a, that's severely. The mayor called. Yeah, this story is just breaking. Uh, we'll
2: be talking about this. Yeah. I'll, I'll, now I'll, I'm starting to understand what was going down a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, I could tell you didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what when you first dropped that I really, that really thing didn't it, either. Uh, so in other words, they investigated the burglary. And then once they were investigating, they said, ah, let's sleep on the couch and eat some popcorn and yeah we're not here we will not Stay hear home the end of save this lives
1: uh, guys get out what are you doing all right so that's our show and uh, i'm going to try to uh get the audio from Lori. just probably ripping people tomorrow so yeah,
2: we'll hear that tomorrow and uh we have two interviews we're going to do our our day is just starting uh, we're going to record for bonus segment. Uh, TB Buchanan and David Seaton taking the deep dive in politics. Haven't had a good political discussion in a while, D. Uh, you know National politics, Joe Biden, Donnie Trump, that kind of thing. Uh, so always look forward to uh, Atiba and David Seaton. They're uh, the co-hosts of the talk show on WVON. And uh, Henry Davis, the pride and joy of South Bend, Indiana, will be in. Uh, we'll be talking politics with him as well, so a lot of political talk ahead of us. We and you can download
1: those, all right? Uh, tonight they're going to have that available. Which one's going to be available for tonight, Henry uh, Avis?
2: Negatory. Oh, so we don't weekend do that. bonuses. Okay. Thank weekend you. Weekend bonuses. We don't know what the hell we're doing, guys. <laughs> I do. I knew we were doing it as a weekend, but uh, the, you you can get those over the weekend along with Jim Coogan. And we're what doing. website? What's that?
1: What websites can you find those at? Uh,
2: BennyJShow.com. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah? BennyJShow.com, <laughs> <laughs> huh?
1: Uh, all right. slick, that yeah. young guy from
2: all new yeah. It takes two to tango,
1: pal. <laughs> Both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, we and go. wherever else you download your favorite podcast.
2: Well done, young man. All right, good job as always. I want to thank uh, our guests, uh, Lisa Solomon and uh, Vincent Normant. And of course, the man myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Vincent and Lisa can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone.
1: Problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. We
5: will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. That's correct.